Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon. And uh, I know I use this term a lot, but man, I've got a, a really special guest today, so I'm going to use it again. Um, I'm super happy he's here. He's somebody I've been wanting to uh, to chat with for some time, so I'm really, really pleased to introduce to you guys uh, John DeGroff, the uh, president and owner of DeGroff Financial, is on with us today. John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. You have been on my list for a little while. So, John, uh, he he kind of makes financial planning uh, sexy because it's not really something that's uh, that's very fun there. And uh, he does that in a number of ways, including the Facebook group Cashflow Pros. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, about what you do to make financial planning, which is uh, something we all need, but most of us ignore. Tell us how you make that a little bit more attractive than the regular finance guys. Um, yeah, well, uh, I've had DeGraw Financial for about five years now. My, my brother and I are partners in that, my younger brother. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we were both financial advisors for you know, 12 years. Yeah, you and came out of uh, Northwestern Mutual, right? I started there, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and so I started a career there, um, spent a while, then I managed an office for another company for a couple of years. Um, and... You know, one day my brother called me and said, hey, why don't you meet me? Um, he was a couple hours north of me. So we met halfway between and and uh, we basically just got together in this hotel conference room and uh, kind of vented out all the things that we thought were kind of asinine about our industry. <laughs> and so, uh, so three days so, later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and mainly, you know, that was, you know, as a as an advisor, and, and I know this is a little different with a, a company like you just mentioned, you know, and then maybe a, a company that just does investments, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, no matter what the client's problem is, you know, it all has to come down to you selling insurance or selling an investment product, right? Right, right, for sure. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to be able to put ourselves in a position where we could actually help people solve their problems, their actual pain points, mm-hmm. okay? That insurance and not that investments aren't extremely important because they are, but sometimes a client's just not there yet. Right, and right, so, for sure. So what we wanted to do, and this goes to, like you mentioned, my Facebook group, Cashflow Pros, um, you know, we wanted to start working with people on their actual cash flow and helping them make better financial decisions from whatever stage that they're in. Okay, so so we built out a four-phase program um, that, you know, starts with phase zero. We help our clients get stabilized, Right. And, you know, stabilization is extremely important because if you're trying to make decisions, um, I say it all the time, you probably heard me joke around about this, but, you know, we have an epidemic of people uh, in this country of people that are putting 10% into their 401k, but they're overdrafting their bank account, yeah. you know, yeah. so what's the point of putting money into a retirement plan when we can't live today? Why are we concerned as a society about 20, 30, 40 years from now, but we're not concerned about you know, having a few hundred dollars in our savings account, you know, mm-hmm. we've all seen the numbers of how many people couldn't write a $400 check, you know, if, if they had to. So, um, you know, and part of the reason that, you know, Joe and I are uniquely qualified to help in these decisions because we've made all these mistakes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, running a business is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
starting, you know, with the company that I started with and, and, uh, having to go through that hundred percent commission and you're, you're a kid, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, like my wife always laughs. We, we, we talk about this all the time because I didn't have the beard until about, you know, seven years ago. Not that this is a, a very impressive beard. You know, Wait, How old were you before you could actually grow a beard? Cause um, <clears throat> I was, uh, I was 32 before I could grow one. So. Yeah, I say that, I say that was probably about the same with me and, you know, mm-hmm. because um, I mean, I'm 38 now, so I was probably 30 or 31 when I grew it. Um, <laughs> Oh, but uh, the funny thing was, is like immediately my income went up. I don't know what it was. I mean, I got a little gray, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember when I started in the business, I, you know, in all seriousness, being like 24, 25 years old and being like, man, you know, I don't want to wish my 20s away, but nobody takes me seriously. No, and, no. And I, felt like I knew my stuff, but, you know, how many 50 year olds did actually, you know, 25 year olds don't have money, right? Right. Like, the people that I was connected with at the time, you know, didn't. Right. So, you know, how many 40, 50 year olds want to sit down with a 25 year old and have them be your advisor. Right. It's the exact same in real estate. You know, you, you yeah, I've sure. got a little gray and I've got a little experience and people come to me, but it, you know, when you, when you're doing, like you said, you know, you're doing financial management with people that have money looking down at you as a 25 year old that has nothing, then yeah, it yeah. can be very tricky. Yeah. So, so we, um, you know, so we built out our program and, you know, we start with that stabilization phase, right? Phase zero. Um, and then, you know, once we get a client stabilized, we move them into phase one. Um, yeah. I'm going to stop you there from just asking you a, a question. Generally with, with, with most clients, obviously, you know, you got the, the adults not quite budgeting, right? And I'm sure that includes a little bit of help with their credit repair and stuff like that. How long do, do, do your average clients sit in phase zero? Is, is that something that... <laughs> I mean, that just kind of interested me because, you know, I uh, I did the same thing uh, when I was a kid and I've been through Dave Ramsey's financial peace program a couple of times and I understand mm-hmm. the, the importance of all that. And, you know, I was just wondering how long most people sit in phase zero. How long do I got to work with John and his brother to unfuck my stuff and get financially stabilized? What kind of process is that for these guys to go through? Honestly, it really depends on how adamant the person is that they don't want to be in phase zero anymore. Of course, yeah, mindset, and right? I've seen, you know, typically, um, you know, we only say that you can't buy your way out of a phase. Like, let's say, for instance, you have a client who gets a big inheritance or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, they become flush with cash. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't automatically mean you're out of phase zero. Phase zero is a mindset, right? right? And so, it, you know, just having you know, money, we have specific metrics go into place in every phase. Okay. So in phase zero, you know, we have to start saving some money. We have to start, have a plan for, you know, paying down your debt. We have to have a plan for what the savings is going to go to. We have to have a budget plan put together where we're starting to fund every area of your budget. Right. Mm -hmm. And we'll coach through that and give you a, you know, a a budgeting program to, you know, that we'll, we'll work through with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so once you move out of that, whether it takes you three months or whether it takes you a year, Mm -hmm. right, you move into phase one. Phase one is where we start to talk about some of the things that an investment advisor, insurance advisor would would have that conversation with you. We want to get you human life value term life insurance at that point Mm -hmm. because you're starting to handle your finances different. Now we're out of stabilization. Now we have to build a strong foundation, right? And that foundation is going to include your life insurance, your disability insurance, and um, having good um, limits on your, say, homeowners, mm-hmm. auto insurance, things like that. 
building your credit, having three months of your expenses and savings, and you know, building a very strong foundation to your overall plan. See, you know, what I love about that, what I love about what you've done in phase zero is you've taken a client with no ability to provide, um, no, no, no ability to buy the things he needs, and you've helped him generate the ability to have the insurance, and you've, he's got the ability to put those financial products and the ability to generate savings. Mm-hmm. So what you've done is, is you've literally created somebody that already likes you and trusts you and feels like they can buy from you, feels like they, own, they, they owe you yeah. the sale, man. So, dude, well done. That's like, yeah. that's, that's like genius level shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It's not, it's not even about, because we don't, we don't make clients buy from us if they right. want certainly you know but a lot of times you know they get we get them out of phase zero we get them into phase one it's like oh yeah well my you know my my cousin sells this stuff okay well this is exactly what you need so go to them and give them the easiest sale ever all right Mm -hmm. but if it's not a good product you know then we will warn you there like if your cousin's working for a really crappy company you know especially when it comes to things like disability insurance you need to be real careful because definition of disability is a differentiator between a good product and a bad product there's a lot of people out there you know, especially like in the life insurance space, disability insurance space, selling products that aren't what they say they are. And, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we got a little time. And, you know, but some people don't know. They just don't know any better. They're just taught by their upline or whatever. Hey, this is a great product. and It's going to make you money. Right. And so right. they're slinging it. And they just don't know better because they haven't been in the business long enough to see the long-term ramifications of how a product works. If you're life insurance and you're telling somebody that this is going to pay out for them. And now, you know, 35 years later, you know, the 80 year old person is getting a letter saying you need to pay more money into this policy. It was not a permanent life insurance product. And that's where I take a stand and I will die on that hill. You know, you cannot sell crap products like that. Mm -hmm. I'll fight anybody on it. So, um, you know, so, you know, that phase one, Yes, we are funneling people out. And you know, I think that the really kind of genius level, you know, of that isn't necessarily getting the sale, you know, but it's making sure that they're financially viable to be able to take the cost out of the equation, mm-hmm. right? Yes, exactly. Because we're making you budget to an extent where it's already taken care of in your budget, even before you buy it, right? And so when we're saying, hey, you know, this is what it's going to be, and this is what it's going to cost, you know, it, they might immediately think, well, how am I going to pay for that? And then they come back to their system and realize, oh, it's already paid for because we've yeah. already put it in, right? That sounds great. Yeah. So, so then once we get done with that foundation building, then we move into phase two. Um, and phase two is um, more of a strengthening of a foundation and, and growth phase, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we start talking about your, your whole life insurance, we start talking about your investments, we start talking about, you know, putting six months of your savings aside um, in or six months of your expenses aside. Um, we are, you know, paying down any extraneous debt that needed to be gone and things like that. And it's all about think of it as like when a tree starts to grow and now it's getting, you know, bigger and, and stronger and all that. The roots are going down more. That's phase two. Right. 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 So. Um, you know, so we have to cut through some of the, the, the bull crap, you know, like I mentioned whole life insurance or some people like, oh man, this guy's ripping people off because Dave, I read a Dave Ramsey book, you know, or whatever. Unfortunately, some people just don't understand how things work. And again, you know, there's good products and bad products out mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, 
when you when you put together a portfolio for people and you start to talk about um, how their stuff needs to be structured, um, you need to have you need to have mar market assets, you know, assets that are invested in the market. You need to have non-correlated assets, uh, meaning that things that have the ability to grow that are not connected to the market, right? right. Because what happens is invariably on a long enough timeline, you're going to see recessions. Yeah. Okay. Taxes might increase. You know, everybody talks about maxing out retirement accounts and things like that because, you know, because you're saving money on your taxes. You don't know you're saving money on your taxes. You're kicking a can down a road. Right, you have right, right. For no sure. idea what taxes are going to be like in 20 or 30 or 40 years. So, you know, so like a lot of accountants will say, you know, well, you'll be in a lower tax bracket when you retire. Why? So, and also too, like you and I are around the same age, I'm assuming right. because yeah. we have glorious mm -hmm. facial hair and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, guys like think like us and the people that we surround ourselves with, we don't have that traditional view of retirement. Okay, no, man, not at all. I'm going to get to 65 and then I'm going to kick back and I'm going to golf. Like that might've worked for our grandparents when they had a pension, but we own businesses and we're building things and creating passive income opportunities. So what worked for some people isn't necessarily going to work for a lot of people in our generation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Correct. So we can't plan our finances the same way. So that's why we have to think a little bit differently about things. And what I always say, and I think the key thing, if I say anything on the, this podcast that makes sense to anybody, <clears throat> it's people that win financially have access to cash and they're not locking up all their, their money until they're 59 and a half. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, so if a retirement account, you take that out of the equation as far as, okay, well, if I'm not necessarily going to have the same retirement, maybe I don't need to have the same retirement plan. Okay. My job is to put you in control of your money. Okay. You know, you can go to a traditional advisor and let them be in control of your money for you. And they send you a report every quarter. It says, oh, hey, you're up 7% or, you know, or whatever. I want to put you in control of your money. Okay. And so, what I want to do is I want to give you access to dollars, guaranteed growth. And then when you find an opportunity, I want you to be able to go take advantage of that opportunity because you have cash on hand. That's what we need. See, I want my retirement to uh, to come whenever I want it. Uh, yes. I want to go play golf whenever I want. I'm, I'm absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely terrible at golf. So the chances of me doing me that too. are pretty slim. But, you know, the, the idea of waiting until you're 59 or 65 just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, yep. When I've got a, a goal to, to have X hundred thousand dollars in liquid capital that I can move between investments and move between, you know, different things that are going to provide different levels of returns to where I am functionally retired, but still very active within my businesses and, and yes. within everything else, you see. And then, and then it yeah. becomes a different goal. It, it says, you know, if I, if I can put a million dollars into liquid investments that I'm flipping every three to six to 12 months or whatever, it's just way yeah. better suited for, for me as an entrepreneur because that yep. says that I can quote unquote retire when, whenever I hit certain monthly cash flow goals, you know, mm -hmm. that, that come from the money working and not from me working. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, so we finish you up in, in phase two and phase two might be a years and years, maybe mm -hmm. decade process. Right. But it's a it's goals that we're working towards. Right. And then phase three is what we call enlivening money. Right. Our motto is enlivening money. That means to make the to make money alive within you. We yes. want we want money to push you forward. OK, money is a tool. Our, industry, 
uh, our industry treats it treats it like it's a goal. Okay, hey, put all your money in this account. You can have it when you're 60. Hey, and then the government's going to force you to take money out when you're 72, even when the market's down. Right, which is pretty idiotic. When you I think did not know it. that. Yeah, I did not know so, that. So yeah, so required minimum distribution. So if you were 70 and a half at, in 2008, now it's 72 and a half. Um, but uh, it, it was, let's say 2008 rolls around, and now all of a sudden the market's down 40 percent. You're required to take money out. You wow. Know, because once their piece, right? And so, <clears throat> so you know, what we do is we try to set people up where, again, you know, they're, they're in control of it today, but that money is pushing them forward instead of them pulling themselves forward towards money. Uh, right? I like and that. That's a, that's a that's such a unique approach. That's where it's all perpetuating itself and, and money is turning into money, more money and, and all of that. And so, you know, and it, and it allows you, it allows you to do what you want. Okay. Rather than what you need. Yes. Because, because too many people, and this is this is the thing that that our underlying conversation always is how many people do you know like we know that are working jobs where they go to work every day and they hate it but they stay there because well I got benefits or I've got this salary or oh, whatever oh, utilizing oh. The, they're not utilizing the talents that God gave them because they're stuck because they have to make a decision for a dollar amount or a benefit. Mm -hmm. We want to put people in control of their finances where they don't have to do those things and they can go work within their strengths and their passions. Right. So that goes into, you know, we have a business consulting side of things as well, you know, and we work with businesses on being able to do that. But, you know, for the most part of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, it's working with people and getting them to understand the day-to-day -day cash flow affects everything else. So like, yeah, I have that group cash flow pros and I can't tell you how many people think that cash flow just means, well, I bought this real estate property and I'm putting $800 a month into it and getting 1200 out of it. And so I have $400 cash flow. Dude, That's that scares me. That scares me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. And you know, but it's not for everybody, you know, and for some people, you know, investing a thousand dollars a month into mutual funds scares the crap out of them, right? They would rather do the real estate side. Um, you know, but the thing is that you know people have to understand is that cash flow is the inflows and outflows of your finances mm -hmm. right so money comes in money goes out is there a difference right is there a difference and where is it going too many people live and i did it for a long time too you know but it's what i call they live on the zero yeah and what I mean by that is like they get their bills paid and they say oh i got 727 dollars left in my bank account so how much can they spend in their mind? $727. Yes. Right? Uh, and so, and so what we want to do is we want to get people off the zero and get them to start to win financially, start saving money systematically, putting money away. You know, you're going to have to buy tires. You know that Christmas is going to come in December. Mm -hmm. You know, that, um, you know, your water heater is going to blow up or a refrigerator go out or something at some point in time. You're going to need a new phone. Like we want to be able to, you know, cover these things. And it sounds basic, but I mean, people struggle so much. I mean, I see people buy new cars because they couldn't afford tires. So they can't wow. put $600 into tires, but they can go trade in the car and have no down payment and buy a new vehicle, you it's know, insane. and it's just, you know, it puts you in a perpetual cycle of losing. Yeah. Yeah. No and doubt. That's what, that's what, we, you know, have, you know, a very missional approach to stopping. But it, I mean, it's so easy to do, though. Uh, do you see it more in, in 
business owners than you do in, in regular people? Do you see a, a more of a trend in entrepreneurs to just throw everything they've got into the business and just, just let it so, ride? Or Yeah, you know, the thing with entrepreneurs is, um, and the way that it should be is that they should be able to throw their passion into growing what they're growing. Right. And have good people around them to be able to take care of other things. The problem is, is that people are inherently greedy and they don't do the right things. So when you have someone like, you know, you're an entrepreneur. So if someone is taking care of all your books and your, um, you know, your finances and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. you, know, you got to have a high level of trust in that person. So what happens is, is since people are, since people are wary of that, they try to take care of everything themselves and they're afraid to delegate. Right, right. right. Yeah, but, for sure. But you know, like you, you learn real quick when you get into the finance industry that a lot of physicians, especially younger physicians, they don't know how to manage their finances. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's that way with entrepreneurs too. Like you, you know, this, you don't necessarily know this. Mm-hmm. So we want you to be able to, we want you to be able to pass some of this stuff off. We want to keep you informed what's going on, give you a, you know, bird's eye view of, or a very focused view, whatever you want, you know, of what you, uh, have going on and let you focus on your business because that's your passion. And yeah, that, absolutely. That business is part of your phase one, phase two, phase three, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. you know, what, what do you find then that the most common needs amongst business owners are when it comes to cash. the stuff you do? Yes, it's cash. always cash. It's always cash. Man, I tell you, um, you know, I do a lot of work in the infinite banking space um, and, you know, and what infinite banking is, is it's using dividend producing whole life insurance to create cash reserves that a client has access to and they can access that money tax free. Okay? Oh, wow. Okay. And now I learned um, something. It's a, uh, it's not complicated, but there's so much noise out there about it. Again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, financial gurus and such that, that hate the product because because it gets a low rate of return. And what we have is we have a society that treats you that rate of return that teaches you that rate of return is the most important thing in a financial device, right? right. But it's not. I can if I get 10% over here, but I can't access it. Mm-hmm. But I get 5% over here and have access to it. I can do a heck of a lot more with this bucket of money over here. Yeah, correct. Four or 5% out of because I can access it and turn that money into other money. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can borrow from it. I can, I can withdraw from it. I have, I can touch it. Right. And so, so I, I do a lot of work in that space. And when I work with entrepreneurs and I'm just kind of explaining the concept to them and it's almost like, like I had a meeting last week with a guy and it was like, he was explaining to us the problem that he had. And it's like, he just didn't know that there was a solution to it. And then we were like, oh, hey, what if we did this, this, and this? And it was just like, wow, like that's the solution to this problem right. that I didn't know there was an answer to. Not that it's the answer to every problem, but you know, you asked, what do you find the most that entrepreneurs are needing? And it's access to capital, man. Like it's always access to capital and you know, reserves that that they can touch and access and not have to worry about getting a nine for at the end of the year yeah yeah no you, take, doubt. you take money out of a, a, a product like that the right way you know now it takes some time to build some cash in if you can't front load it mm-hmm. you know but, 
you know, I mean, if, if you're talking a long game, it can be an excellent place to put money in, you know, and, and to, to let it grow. And so, um, but again, there's a lot that goes into it and you have to have somebody that really has taken the time to understand it and can explain it to you and let you know the pros and the cons to it and to selling the right type of product. Because I could tell you, there's a lot of people out there that say they're doing infinite banking that are selling products that the guy who invented the infinite banking would roll over in his grave and say, oh, wow. yeah, that's well, yeah, I mean, cash flow is uh, cash flow is king, um, and it's definitely something that uh, I mean, even I run into issues with cash flow, especially uh, you know in the real estate world, because you might have you know twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars tied up in remodels and rehabs and flips at any one time. So that's uh, that's probably something that we should uh, we should visit about when I see you in Dallas uh, next month, man. That sure. would be uh, yeah. that would be that would be pretty cool. So um, while we're on the subjects of entrepreneurs and finances. Tell us about some common mistakes that these guys generally run into first off, you know, uh, when they're first starting out. What, what's something that these guys uh, get wrong? Either the entrepreneurs that you see in service or maybe entrepreneurs that are starting out in the, uh, in the financial services game. Um, I do think spending too much money too fast on certain things. Um, or maybe the wrong thing is what I should say. Yeah, um, no doubt. We've all done that though. You know, <laughs> we've all done that. Tell, um, tell it, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I will say, um, and you're an apex, you know, entrepreneur, so you'll appreciate this. Um, man, you need an assistant real fast. Yes. Like, if you've got, if, if you've got any kind of business going, like hiring staff is important. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, Honestly, like I've, I've been by, in my office, in this office by myself for the last couple of years, um, had some staff, didn't work out, um, you know, and then just decided that I wanted to, you know, work by myself for a while. And my, my brother, my business partner, he, he's lived a couple hours north of me uh, up until a few months ago. That's where he lived. So we mm -hmm. weren't together all the time. And again, we have a couple other business interests and stuff that he was taking care of as well. But um, so, so I was here by myself and then in January, um, things just really kind of blew up. And very quickly, I was like, you know, I need staff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I did, I did, I did it the right way. I mean, I wrote up, this is exactly the, this is the model that I want. This is, this, this is, this is what I want for somebody to do and the type of experience I need them to have. Um, and honestly, I got one resume, wow. one resume. And, and it was perfect. It was just like, hey, somebody from church saw it um, and said, hey, my neighbor would be perfect for this. I know she's looking for something. She'd been an illegal, um, you know, been an assistant for, for lawyers for 20 some years. And, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want a 20 year old, you know, yeah. have to explain everything to. I wanted somebody that was experienced. I wanted somebody who knows how to talk to people that I don't mind getting on the phone with a client, you know, and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and so, I mean, it's something that I made that mistake for a long time, but, you know, staff became very, very important. Well, that, that's controlling, that's controlling your time buckets that, uh, mm -hmm. that, that they teach is that, you know, my assistant, we've all made the mistake of getting the, the young inexperienced assistant because they're, they're cheaper. I mean, you can generally hire a college student to help out for 10 bucks an hour. But, you know, my assistant now, she handles all of my real estate paperwork, like everything. Um, I just, I, I text her what I need. She calls the client. She's got perfect phone manner. And she's in her late 50s. And yes, she's, she's quite a bit more than $10 an hour. 
But the mm-hmm. fact that I've got somebody running the backside of my, my business to where I don't have to worry about any of that has mm-hmm. freed me up to do the, the more important work of the marketing right. and the social media and the advertising yeah. and, and bringing in clients on the front end. So, yeah. man, hiring the right assistant is just, it's so critical in the, in the small business world. And what I try to tell entrepreneurs that I work with is like, stop trying to do everything yourself. You know, you know, <laughs> do what you are uniquely qualified to do. There you go. Perfect. And and hire everything else out. You know, I mean, I remember years ago, a guy saying, maximize your strengths, make your weaknesses irrelevant. Right. I you like that. You're good at and anything that you're not good at, hire out. Right. And had I taken that advice when I heard it, you know, I'd probably be farther, you know, farther ahead today. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the two things that really come to mind, you know, you know, you hiring staff is one thing I think a mistake that entrepreneurs make, um, and not having a good handle on their bookkeeping. That's the other, um, so, I mean, whether it, you know, I understand not everybody can afford to have a a full-time bookkeeper or anything like that. That's totally fine, but you can take care of this issue remotely a lot of times. And sometimes it's as easy as just getting a membership to QuickBooks putting all your receipts and transactions on a piece of paper in a shoebox and then handing it off to somebody. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, um, because, you know, I think where a lot of businesses get in trouble is tax issues. You get behind um, and all that because you're so focused on that, that cash flow. Like I always tell our clients, like, please make sure you don't forget to put sales tax, you know, when you, pay. yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because that another mistake that we learned, you know, early on, you know, you're charging $300 a month and you get a check for $300 and, you know, and you forgot the extra, you know, 18 that, you know, for the 6% we charge here in West Virginia. Yep. You know, um, and now you got to come into your pocket, which, you know, eats into your, you know, any profit that you may or may not have. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the best investments I've made is a, a fractional CFO. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I pay him a fee every month and he works a few hours a week on our stuff. But mm-hmm. um, everything's right. Everything's done right. Everything's filed on time. The the, the tax money just drafts out of the account. He, he gives me a heads up. Hey, this is coming out. This is coming out. And it's made my life so much easier. I don't worry about any of it. You know, I can yeah. I can see a P&L whenever I want. He keeps me in yep. charge of cash flow and invoices and everything. And it's it's wonderful. <laughs> so, again, so, I took that off my plate. You know, I, I don't yeah, do it. And, that, and, that, and that's very important. You know, something that you said there, you can see your P&L anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Because I can't tell you how many times I talk to a business owner and they have no idea what's going on with the numbers of the business because their accountant isn't doing their the job. So we've got to this point where, you know, like I say, you know, um, in finance, we have a very messed up industry. Everybody thinks that it's all about what funds you're in, you know, or what stocks you're buying. And that's not what personal finance is. Okay. There, you know, financial planning, all financial planning is, is the allocation of financial resources. Okay. Go ask 10 different advisors or planners what financial planning is, and you'll get 10 different answers, okay? Mm -hmm. I am telling you that what financial planning actually is, is the allocation of financial resources. The function of financial planning is to make sure that you always have money when you need it, okay? That is not just retirement. That is not just if you die, right? That is not just if you, you know, live to 98, you, if you, if you need to always have money when you need it, that means that everything needs to be in its proper place. You need to make sure that that's why we talk about things like life insurance and disability insurance. You think those are fun conversations to have? No, no. suck. Okay. Hold, hold on. I, w- I want to underline and underscore this. 
So the function of financial planning is to ensure that you always have money when you need it. Underline that. Write that shit down, guys. That's uh, that's that's a uh, that's a truth bomb there from John. Thank you, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. Please continue. I wasn't trying to cut you off, but man, I want to make sure no, no, everybody no. runs over that with a highlighter. It's not about that's life fun. insurance. It's about having can, money when you need it. Damn, that's good, man. I like right. that. So, and you know, all those situations can come up when you correlate that to a business owner, right? You're gonna need money at certain areas. And if you don't know what's going on in your system, because your accountant thinks that their job is to do taxes. Mm -hmm. Okay. The accountant's job is not just to do taxes. The accountant's job is to account for what is going on in the business. I right? love that account. And yeah. So, and so that's why, you know, like we have guys in Apex that, you know, have done that. Like, you know, Trevor and Kayla, I've always heard, I haven't worked with them personally, but I've heard they do a great job with that stuff for you know for the clients that they have um yeah, i listen know, i listen to that show man that's that's on my bucket list too um, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so they you know but but that's the problem is most accountants haven't aren't doing the job they're they're doing a job that they are paid to do mm -hmm. right but they're not, they're not doing the job that they should be doing and that's a problem within the accounting industry right now joe and i are working on fixing the financial industry Okay. And so, so, but that's what it is. The whole situation needs redone. Okay. You need accounts that are actually accounting for what they're doing. So business owners are lost because they don't want to continue to bother the accountant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they need to know what's going on. And so what they do is they're like, well, I got a meeting with them, you know, at the end of the quarter. So I'll just wait till then to ask them. Right. Uh, yeah. Opportunities pass by them. So it's the same thing like not having access to cash. If you don't know where your money is or what it's doing, it's just like not having access to it. So now, now you've got that opportunity cost because you can't take advantage of opportunities if you don't know what's going on. Absolutely. So, and we need to put you in control, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to, and we put you in control by giving you the data that you need as a business owner. Man, that's great. That's great. I mean, I meet with my fractional CFO once a week. Um, great. Yeah, we do a sales meeting where we meet with the whole team and then he and I'll spend about 45 minutes to an hour after that sales meeting just going over everything that needs to be gone over. And, um, you know, having access to that has um, it's so worth the money. You know, it's like the first time I ever used an accountant back in what, 2004, I think I had to spend maybe seven, eight hundred dollars. And, you know, that was just unheard of back then, early 20s. I would I would file by myself at H&R Block or whatever it was called back then. I don't remember. But to go and spend that much money on an accountant was just unheard of. But the amount of yeah. money he amount of money he, he freaking saved me, you know, <laughs> he saved me thousands and thousands of dollars over what H&R Block was doing for me. And, you know, now I understand that in order to have money when I need money, I got to pay somebody to manage that side of it. So, uh, yep. so yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about your business, John. Tell me how you are growing out there. And uh, I want to hear the story of you going from uh, the, the the managing of a company for somebody else to actually jumping out and launching your own brand. How did that come about? Um, yeah, I tell you, man, um, you know, starting out and being the traditional financial advisor, like, I mean, it was a trip. Like, I enjoyed it. Um you know, I did the whole suit and tie every day thing, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, yeah, me too. That doesn't, that doesn't do me no more. We're both yeah. wearing, for those of you listening and not watching, we're both wearing, uh, we're both wearing dark t-shirts and uh, we've both got <laughs> beards. You have any tattoos? Yeah. 
No, no tattoos. Uh, no tattoos on John, but hey, yeah, the suit thing didn't work for me either, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's times and places for it. I'm just not a huge fan, but but anyway, you know, so you did that, and then I went to managing an office, and it was it was a very different experience. Um, different type of company, um, different, different values, different types of reps. Like, like I remember uh I remember one of my first days there. Um you know, going and everybody was like, yeah, we're going to go do lunch, you know, as a team. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, team building, whatever. And like, everybody was like drinking a whole lot more than I would have at lunch, um, you know, in the middle of a work day. And, the, and uh, you know, and so there was just a whole lot of uh, me getting used to being in a different type of situation. Um, and then having some kind of internal battles with the company on, you know, how things are done and how things are structured and, right, you know, right. um, and, and all of that. Um, and so, but, you know, I mean, the company treated me great, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have a bad experience from the company side of things. Um, it was just more, a lot of the internal of what was going on there and, you know, and all that at the time, but, and, and they had a lot of belief in me, which I appreciated. Um, and so, you know, when, when Joe and I had that initial conversation at that hotel that day, Joe being my brother, um, yeah. um you know, this, um, you know, he ended up going ahead and starting the business, starting to grow financial when I, and I got, I got, uh, you know, cold feet and stayed where I was for about another eight, nine months. Um, and, uh, so eventually in, uh, in 2017, I, uh, I called him up. I was like, Hey, I'm ready to, ready to join. Um, and so from there, we really just started building and that's when we really built out our phases, um, we built out um, how we're working with clients because, you know, we bring in clients and we work on a, like a retainer level, you know, they'll pay us a monthly fee and yeah. that way they have access to us. If we have a, if they have a question or they need help with something um, that we can help out with whatever, whatever they need, we get access to all their stuff, you know, so we, so we can see um, how they're spending money and, and all of that. Um, and you know, it digs into that minutia so much, right? Like, you know, we're talking to you about like, hey, we see that you spent, you know, $87 on this, you know, on Tuesday, what was that purchase? Ouch, right? man, I'm not sure I want you guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, it sounds like, level, sounds like being married. <laughs> so if that's the level that, uh, you know, you need to be at, then that's what we're going to do for you, you know, because, because sometimes that's, um, what needs to be done. And so, um, so yeah, so we'll, we focus on that stuff. And then of course, you know, as we move you through the phases, that's where we're talking about, you know, the insurance, we're going to get you involved with the investment stuff. We're going to, you know, we're going to build out your entire financial plan for you. It just depends on where you are when you come in. If you right. come in in phase zero, we're going to start in phase zero. If you come in and you're in phase two, we're going to start in phase two. All right. But we're not going to skip steps. You know, if you're, if you're coming to me and you're showing me, that you've got, you know, late pays on your credit cards and you're overdrafting your account and you're asking me, hey, I got this 10 grand, where where do I invest it? We're not investing it. Right. You, know, you can have somebody else and invest it, that's fine, but you're not prepared to invest, right? We need to get you prepared and we need to be get you managing your finances well enough so you can be in a position to invest. Okay. And you're not in a position to invest until we've built you know, not only that stabilization around you. So we got to think of it like um, if we're going to plant a tree, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, no, let's use the example of we're going to build a house, right? right. Yeah. We, we got to grade that land out first, right? Mm -hmm. 
So maybe we got to clear some trees from it. You know, we've got to, you know, we've got to do all these things, right? So we can have this perfect plot of land. Okay. Right. Then we have to build the foundation first, mm-hmm. right? Right. And and then once we build the foundation, then you can start to build everything else, right? But you've got to do it. There's there's an order to things. And I think that where people miss financially and they lose financially is because they don't do things in order and they're more worried about, you know, you have you have a 22 year old, you know, or let's say a 25 year old resident physician mm-hmm. sitting, you know, at a hospital where he's making $50,000 a year and they're listening to some advisor that comes in in a really nice suit and all that. And the first thing the advisor says is, oh man, you got to max out your retirement accounts as much as you can. Take advantage of that employer match. You right, know, right. I hear that a lot. And it's, and so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be a physician. Right now I'm making 50K a year, which is the lowest I will ever make in my entire life. True. So why would I defer taxes now? Why would I defer taxes now when I'm in a 12% tax bracket or whatever? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can pay 40% 40 years from now. Right. It's asking, right. It's just, it's idiotic thinking, but that's what the system says. And so everybody's like, well, that's the system. Got to max out the accounts, retirement, retirement, retirement. You know, I can't afford to put tires on my car, but I got retirement squared away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes no sense. It's dumb. But but so. you're right though, because that's what you hear all this time. And I, I liked your thing that we underlined about having access to, to finances when you need them, because there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of sense knowing that you're going to be making uh, four or five times your income here in five years time as a young physician doing that. So, I mean, yeah, kudos for, for calling that out, man. Um. Matt, I want to touch real quick on coaching. Now, how long have you, or how long ago was it when you discovered uh, the world of self-improvement and being coached? Uh, I want to say 2005. Oh, wow. I remember I was working for a mortgage company at the time, and I'd come out of the gate strong from being an intern in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I was out producing a lot of full-time reps while I was taking 25 hours of school and, you know, and trying to and all that. Um, And then, you know, came out of the gate strong in 2000. And so I graduated college in 2004, came out of the gate strong in 05. And then like, I got married that April. And then after that, like I just hit a slump. And, uh, and I remember was at my grandparents' house and my dad was there and I was talking to my dad and I was like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I, I don't know. My dad, who's a old school sales guy, mm-hmm. still is. Um, he keeps saying he's going to retire. But right now, he said he finished last year, number six in his company. Dude, listen, we're in West Virginia. My dad works for a nationwide company selling maintenance chemicals, right? He's been, wow. in, the same, he's been in the company for 40 years. He has guys in his company that, like, don't have to leave, like, certain blocks of Chicago or whatever. And he's out selling them in West Virginia, right? Like I'm super proud of him. I mean, the whole state's his territory. He drives around all day. It's crazy. Um, you know, but, uh, but guys like that never quit though. He's going to, he's going to do it cause he loves it. He loves the sport, man. It's, it's yeah, a sport. He likes to hunt. He likes, he likes to hunt. Yeah, yeah dude. And so, but he asked me, he's like, so he's like, so what books are you reading? And I'm like, well, you know, what do you mean? And he's like, <laughs> well, what are you doing to improve yourself? You know, and like your knowledge base and all that. And I'm like, nothing. And he's like, look, he's like, uh, 
He's like, go pick up Brian Tracy's psychology of selling and go pick up anything from Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I drove, uh, you know, down to the mall. I went into books a million, you know, and I picked up psychology of selling and I picked up Ziglar on selling. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the Ziglar on selling, I picked up on audio. Um, and then psychology of selling, I picked up as a book and, uh, I started reading and then like immediately, like it was just like something clicked in me. Right now, that is not to say that it's all been, you know, pancakes and butterflies as I like to say <laughs> uh, since then. All right. But, but I will say that that stuff is like so far ingrained in me. Um, I was on a call a couple of weeks ago with uh, the company that I do, um, my insurance products and stuff through and investment products through. Um, I was on a call the other day, a Zoom meeting with them and uh, like their, the leadership here in West Virginia and like some of the young reps and like they had a guy in there and it was talking, it was very like motivational stuff. Yeah. And I was so like bored um, <laughs> because I was like, this stuff is so basic to me because it's just, it's so far ingrained in me at this point. Yes. Like you're like, you're not telling me anything new. Right. And so, you know, to the 24, 25, 26 year old reps in the room, they're all like, wow, this is amazing. And me, like, it's, it's just who I am at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I went from Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar, um, you know, really delving into that stuff, getting into Jim Rohn, getting into, you know, um, I mean, I can't, I can show you pictures of my bookshelves, man. Like, Dude, you know, like- I'd, I'd love it. I'm, I'm all about reading, man. Um, you know, since, uh, since I rediscovered it and how much of the world's knowledge is in books, I've got two or three books on the go at any one time. I've got yep. audible on the go. I've got podcasts on the go. It's like, for the for what you pay for a book for 20 or 30 bucks it's like free yeah. education dude yep. so uh i'm put you on the spot what's the last book or what are you currently reading i am currently reading ryan holiday's the obstacle is the way how about that Boom, oh right nice here. perfect it's on the camera there too and uh uh so i started it this week because i'm on phase one um <laughs> and so um i just finished a book called how to be like mike by pat williams um which i had read before uh, pat williams is uh he was the GM of the 76ers when they won the NBA title in 83. He was the GM oh, right who uh, built the Orlando Magic when they weren't, uh, you know, back in the 80s. Um, and he spoke at a meeting I was at, um, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years ago. Um, and he was just a great speaker. And I picked up his book after that. And uh, and because this is the kind of guy I am, his email address was in the back of it. So I just emailed him, you know, and we ended up having a little dialogue, you know, over the course of a couple months. And it was pretty awesome. Um, so I always kind of pick up his books, but how to be like Mike was great. I've actually got my, my oldest son is also on phase one with me, which is pretty awesome. He's 14. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got him reading it now. Um, and then, uh, I read a couple of Stuman's books. I read G code and bulletproof business during phase one uh, yeah. or during five hard. Um, I have, have G code on my desk. That's, that's a, my one. It's, uh, I'm, I'm probably about three or four times through it. Um, yeah. now I just, it's like a little instruction manual for, I'm not to fuck shit up. <laughs> I had uh, I had breakfast on Sunday with uh, our mutual friend Ilya, and uh, he was driving through West Virginia, coming from a dance competition. Uh, oh wow! Apex as well, and so we met for breakfast. And I have a accountability call with him and a few other Apex guys every Thursday morning, mm-hmm. and 
So we're actually uh, reading uh, Never Split the Difference. Dude, uh, you, you don't believe this. Guess what's, on my, guess what's on my Audible right now? Yeah. <laughs> Never Split Read the Difference. Audio back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, yeah. through it for my... I think it's my third time through that one. I like that book, though. Um, yeah. But yeah, Never yeah. Split the Difference by Chris Voss. If you guys haven't... Um, if you guys haven't got that, get it. I've it's... gone through it on Audible, but this will be my first time reading through it. So, yeah, yeah that was another thing that Ilya and I talked about. He pulled out his Audible, and then I pulled out mine. And uh, my Audible was, you know, I had to call him out on it. I was like, dude, this is weak. Like, you got to pick up your Audible game, man. So Hey, call me out, too. I mean, I've probably got 25 or 30 business books on my Audible. I'm I'm a huge Terry Pratchett fan. I've got quite a lot of science fiction books on there, too. Um, sometimes I escape into science fiction, but it's about 80% business stuff now that, yeah. I, that I take it. That's how mine is. It's it's all business, and then I've been working my way through uh, the Dark Tower series. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to have a little bit of fun, right? It can't all be uh, yeah, it can't all be hustle and grind all of the time. No, that, that's, we that's do absolutely have, right. You know, we you, we do have to sleep at some point. Um, yeah, but no, I like taking taking in that kind of stuff. So, dude, before we wrap up, man, I want to ask you. Um, uh, going back in time question alright so uh, let's just imagine that you're going back to uh, zero with what you know now and you got all this knowledge and you're a beginning entrepreneur and as a beginning entrepreneur listening to this podcast you know what's the uh, the one most important piece of advice that you could give to an entrepreneur that's just getting started out mm. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like being on the spot there there's probably more than one piece of advice you can uh, you can edit out the pause here. Uh, but, uh, no, so we'll leave that in because that, that'll add gravitas to just how important what you're about to share is. Listen, um, I think one, if, so if you're going to be an entrepreneur, that typically means that you have some sort of an idea, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to own that idea or whatever it is that you're doing unless someone presents some extremely good information to you that says, oh, okay, that wouldn't be a good idea, okay? You got to own your idea and you got to move towards it and making it happen, right? Amen. Yeah. Um, and while you are doing that, going back to what I said earlier about making your weaknesses irrelevant, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to delegate some things, you know, make the hires that you need to make, um, manage your finance as well. So you can do those things, you know, um, that's, it's a very loaded question. It is, but then I feel like we should, we should underline that answer right there. Like you said, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know how many entrepreneurs I run into in the in the in the circles I'm in that that try and carry everything on their shoulders. Yes, and you know that's yeah, that's I've a mistake. That we've all been there. It's a mistake I made yeah. at first. Like, well, nobody's going to do it as well as me. Nobody's going to take care of it as well as me. And yet, um, you know, getting help is is it, it frees you up to do the things the entrepreneur needs to do. You know. Yep. So. Well, and also too, it's diversity of thought, right? Oh yeah. So, you know, it allows somebody else to sit around the table and say okay, I see what you're saying, but what if we did it this way? Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, because someone else is looking at it from a different different perspective than you are as the owner. You're very close to this. You want to grab it and hold it, you know, mm -hmm. whereas someone else, they're stepped away and they're saying, okay, I see it. It works, you know, but what if you did this, right? 
And so, so you have to have that, whether you create a board of, uh, you know, it can be a loose board of just, you know, people that help you out, you know, or whatever, you know, you've, you, you can't do it all on your own. It makes it very hard. You know, Joe and I both in, in all of our businesses, we've tried to do things by ourselves and that doesn't work as, as nearly as well as having, having good people on your team. And so, and that being said, um, I think that that leads into it's, it's why coaching and mentorship groups and things like that, you know, are so important. Like oh, you and I, no are, doubt. Yeah. you and I are both part of apex, you know, I'm a part of the RTA syndicate, um, you know, I'm part of a few other groups, like oh, you know, send me your link on that RTA when we get off here. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I need to look a little closer um, at that. It's, it's great to surround yourself with other people who are one going through the same thing that you are yes. and have gone through the same things that you have and are past it and can say, Hey man, I know it sucks, but it's going to get not enough people talk about that openly. Um, one of the things uh, amongst most successful guys that I've met, what I want to remind the people listening to this podcast is we've all been through it. We've all made it. We've all lost it. We've all drank it away. Um, you know, some of us have used drugs. Some of us have been in jail, um, but we've all been through it. Like, like there's nothing you're going through as an entrepreneur that you can't reach out to other entrepreneurs and have that thing in common with them. And yep. a lot of people forget that or don't even know it. They try to do it's it all because, by themselves. It's because we've forgotten how amazing we are as people, right? Mm -hmm. What I was talking about earlier about how we we don't know how talented we are and and what we have the abilities to do. We we almost think inherently that we're a bother for asking for help or for for struggling and needing to ask somebody because we somehow elevate ourselves to this position where we're the only person that's ever gone through this. And, and that's not not correct. It's not right. And you know everybody goes through stuff. You know, I had that problem. It's one thing I hated when I came into the financial services industry and you're struggling for every dollar. Like I can remember having to like try to dig change out of my car so I could go buy a daggone burger, you know, because I was so broke, you know, that, you know, but you got to have the suit and you got to have the clean car and you got to, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Afford a 99 cent value meal. Right. And then you go and you bring in somebody that's senior that's making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year on a case that's going to make you a thousand dollars, and they take half your commission. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man. You know, like I, I have a buddy. You know, to this day, he was with me at, at my previous company, my first company, um, and he came in. He was working at my office. He doesn't wasn't working under me. I was a recruiter, you know, and I and I helped you know bring people into the business, but he wasn't on my team. And I remember working a case with him. And when we were doing the application, he was like, hey, he's like, you know, uh, what's your writing number? And I was like, why do you need that? And he's like, so I can put you on for 50%. And I'm like, you're not putting me on for 50% of that case, dude. That's your case. And it was like so foreign to him that somebody wasn't going to steal from him because that's what that is. They'll call it paying tuition, you know, or whatever. And And I get it. But, you know, the thing is, when I make somebody better in the business, it makes us all better, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's Completely the thing, agree. like if I could sit down and talk to some of these people and be like, look, some of these products you're selling, you just don't know. We need to make you better. Yeah. You know, we need, you need to think critically around this. Right. And, um, you know, I don't know, man, we just we have to we have to realize that we are we are bigger and better than we think we are. We're never as good as we think we are. Right. <laughs> but we are better and, and we can pull ourselves up. 
and say, okay, I'm, I'm worth, you know, if I've been struggling to make 30, 40, $50,000 a year, but I know I can make 250, 300, you know, okay, hey, I'm worth that. I can yeah. go and I can make this happen. How, I don't know what the steps are yet. I'm going to have to build that, okay? But there's nothing that I've done in life that should preclude me from becoming as successful as I want to be. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where I was born or what color I am or what, you know, what financial situation or family situation I came from or whatever. I can accomplish whatever I want to accomplish, Amen. right? You know, that, that's where people will start talking about victim mentality and, you know, and all this stuff. Like, it's just, you know, we have to, we have to help each other as entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely. Like we, we have yeah. to, we have to pull each other up. Everybody stands on each other's shoulders, right? And we have to help people grow. And, and, and if we continue to pull ourselves up, how much of a better society, even if it doesn't benefit us, we all benefit by having a better society, right? You're exactly right. I mean, there's a whole reason I do this podcast is is sure. it's, it's not financial. It's it's to help. It's so I can put out that 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 shit into the ether and say, hey, we all struggle, man. We we yep. we all struggle. But man, John, it's been my absolute freaking pleasure spending time with you today. Before we get off here, though, do me a favor and tell the guys listening where they can find you, where they can follow you online, and how they can uh, get some of that financial wisdom out of you as a client sure um i'm john degroff on everything it's j-o-n not j-o-h-n j-o-h-n guys don't know how to spell the name right um but uh you know john degroff j-o-n-d-e-g-r-o-f-f um facebook instagram twitter clubhouse john degroff everything Um, easy to find man my facebook group is cashflow pros um, so I'm pretty active in there. I try to post every day in there. Um, and DeGroff Financial is my business. Um, and so, um, yeah, for now, that's that's where I am. Yeah, and we'll make sure there are links in all of the show notes as well. So, John, dude, thank you so much for coming hanging out with us on the Small Business Surgeon, man. I really appreciate yeah, it. Really I appreciate, appreciate you having me. It's been so, awesome. Thank you. And guys, that's John DeGroff. Be sure and go and check out his stuff because he really does uh, make financial planning uh, sexy. It's really not a very exciting topic and the guy covers it so well. So a huge thank you to John for hanging out with us. Go check him out, follow his stuff. And uh, again, if you've liked the show, do us a favor, run on over to uh, iTunes, hit the subscribe button and uh, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show and uh, hopefully we can help them somewhere financially along the way. So uh, from me at The Small Business Surgeon and from John, again, thank Thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Uh, Thank you for listening, guys. We will see you on this week's Friday Fire, uh, 6 a.m. Friday morning. You all have a great week. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.